Hey guys, thanks so much for checking out the podcast. You guys have done a phenomenal job of supporting through season one and into season two, and I can't thank you enough. These first set of episodes are a little rough around the edges because I was still figuring out what the podcast was going to become. So if you haven't taken a listen to any of season two yet, I urge you to do that. But other than that, just strap in and enjoy the ride. We have had so much fun making this for you guys. Thank you so much. Hey guys, and welcome to the Nashville for Nobody's podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Gordon, also known as Story of Bob. And this week we are listening to the second half of the Tyler Deaver episode. So if you did not catch last week's episode, go back and listen to it first, because we are picking up right where we left off, talking about Nashville and Broadway and how we think you might try to further your career in this town. So without further ado, I'm going to just jump right back into the conversation. Are there any places or times on Broadway, is there anything on Broadway left that you think could further an artist's career off Broadway, or has Broadway become basically just a country music strip mall? I think when it comes to specifically talking about getting signed or like a like any kind of a deal, like mm-hmm. with a record label or maybe like a, a pop company or entertainment company, I think for the most part that's pretty much dead on Broadway because I think like what the last guy to get signed was Party I think John Party and I think that was at Losers was actually Midtown or yeah. Winners or something like that he got yeah. signed when he got off stage now granted that's different because he played the he played the bars down there um, and so did Dirks you know Dirks mm-hmm. Bentley back in the day um, and like those guys I don't think Dirks got signed on Broadway though but like other than back in the 90s when people were getting signed people like Mark Chestnut that actually played on you know Broadway and people like Travis Tritt like those guys that's a thing of the past unfortunately because I think that Broadway specifically and we've seen this too there's like a stigma there's a good and a bad stigma about it it's like some people will be like oh yeah it's awesome it's the place you need to be and then now though there's a lot of old timers and people that liked Nashville the way it was 10 years ago that said no Nashville is not good anymore you don't want to be on Broadway people look at you like you're damaged goods a lot of times or something like that and so I think that where it can help you and where it's helped me is if you want to get into private gigs, corporate gigs, yeah. you, it, you're not going to meet, uh, you know, the curb records head probably ain't going to be down there. The, you know, Warner brothers record guy, he's not going to be searching for talent on Broadway because right. they're probably pulling somebody off the voice. So they're pulling somebody off some stupid TikTok video, but, and nothing against those people. Good for them. Go for it. That's, that's the way you got to win. But I think for us, it's more like I've got private gigs that I've played random places all across the country. I've met mm-hmm. like legit what you would call like a super fan or somebody that becomes a legit fan of your music. And it's like, I played a, a private show all the way out in uh, Maryland um, a few months ago f- to a great family that like they invited me out there to play at their like beautiful horse ranch. It was like the coolest place ever. And I was so mad because I was going to get to play in their awesome barn <laughs> and it rained all day and there just wasn't oh, enough, no. there wasn't enough seating. They would have to have people outside. So I was like, ah, so we had to play inside, but it was like the coolest coolest thing ever and i think that i love doing that kind of stuff and then some of the uh it didn't it, unfortunately it fell through but you probably remember there was a, a fellow that came in and he it was when we were playing second fiddle um 
and this has been a little while ago and he he was from up in wisconsin where i'm originally from and and he um he kind of knew some people that like did one of the bigger like festivals and like fair things in uh southeastern wisconsin i think it was uh beaver dam if i'm not mistaken okay and uh that almost ended up being us getting to open up for like i think luke bryan was there that that week and there's somebody else unfortunately like many things the the uh committee or the, whatever it was that made the decision on it didn't think we that i had a big enough following to yeah. to draw anybody so in which they're probably not wrong but i wish they would have let us play because i think they would have liked us but uh you know that's one of those things where that one didn't hit but there's been a lot of other like hey like do you come play this kind of thing do you play would you come play at our i got another one in wisconsin the other day that they gave me their card they have like a big um it's like a wedding barn venue but they do like concerts and stuff and they like you know sell tickets to people and they like um raise money for you know, local charities and stuff like that. It's like you run into stuff like that and go play places. That's how I think you build a, a, a quality fan base. Hopefully I think, I think that's how it, how it works. And so that's, in my opinion, that's the biggest value that Broadway provides to me besides the obvious of just money. (laughs) Now, now as a musician, like there's tons of benefits to playing on Broadway. Mm -hmm. Like there's, there's the money, there's the meeting people, there's the getting to play with dozens and dozens and dozens of other talented musicians. So like, if you're a lead guitarist or you're a drummer or bassist, fiddle, whatever, like there's almost no downside to playing Broadway. Yeah, very true. As long as like you're good with that environment, it yes. is it is a sticky environment, and you there's a lot of schools of thought that people hold very close to them, mm-hmm. and if you don't fit that then they don't like you. They don't like you, and they'll make it clear, and they will talk about you behind your back, as, as we found out. As Absolutely. We've, I think we've all had people talk about us behind our back, unfortunately. It's it's hard to be, no matter what job you're in, it's hard to be a nice guy all the time. It's frustrating because right. people talk crap about you. It's just the way it goes, and you have to run with it. But you're right, though. For musicians especially, if you want to land an artist gig, I mean, Broadway can lead to that. I mean, you, you look at yet you, you have to be careful though, because as we both know, um, and as a singer, I can say this: us singers are just a bunch of drama queen, annoying goofballs. There's some good ones out there that are like pr- professional and together and stuff. But man, you hear so many nightmare stories. You've been involved mm-hmm. with someone with people that will stiff you, not pay you money right. for a show when it's supposed to be guaranteed. You have to trust these people. These people are part of your taxes when mm-hmm. they're paying you, you know, for like 1099s and stuff. You have to trust these people. And a lot of times you can't. So you have right. to be very careful who you play with. Um, and even downtown Broadway, there's some bad ones. Oh, there's yeah. some bad dudes. And I don't, I don't know so much as many girl singers that I know of, but like there's a lot of bad dude singers that like, they're not professionals and they will take advantage of you. So you have to be careful like anything else and choose wisely who you play with. Absolutely. But like you said, as a musician, you play with, I mean, shoot, I can't remember who it was that one time they, uh, they played with a band and you know, it was somebody that played for somebody in that mm-hmm. band. Like, Hey, like we need a bass player this week right. for this run with whoever. And he was, that person was good enough. They're like, you know, I'm, I'll talk to the boss, but like you should come play. And that guy ended up getting a, an artist gig. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you get that, so, like, obviously that's not my path, but that's a path that you are a fiddle player, bass player, guitar player. Right. That's where they could go, potentially. So, so I mean, I guess, I guess in, that, in that aspect, like, Broadway, it's a good practice venue, and it's a good place to learn and hone your craft as an artist. Absolutely. But it is definitely a viable career push if you're a side guy. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So that's, that's, that's my 
that's my situation on Broadway. And like like you said, like I've I've known several guys that have gotten artists. Uh, like we've got a mutual friend, Josh. Mm-hmm. He's gotten artist gigs yeah. from playing Broadway. Yeah. Um. We we've worked with steel guitarists that mm-hmm. played for Midland. Yep. Because of contacts he made on Broadway. Absolutely. Like, like that's happening all the time. And I mean, we've had we've had the artists guys come fill in for us. I mean, we've we've Carrie Underwood's fiddle player yep. went to Wisconsin for us. Yep. So like we get to play with and meet all of the guys that are doing the job that as a side guy or as a musician, I want to do. Exactly. And then, so I guess like your thing in that is like, you get to meet and play with and become friends with guys that play for artists. Are they able to kind of like give you advice on where to go or because they're side guys and not artists, is it kind of too much of a different world to where like they can they can kind of coach you and like a well this is a good thing to do but like i really don't know right i would say that is a good question because i've i've with a lot of the guys we play with i you know i never like meet somebody and play with them once and then like ask you like or ask questions as much right. you know, like i want to get to know them and be like you know let them know that i respect them and like actually want their input not looking for a handout but looking for hopefully free advice you know because right. like, that's important and you got to ask questions and so i have it's like you know i've asked um a lot of like a lot of the ones that i know that play with bigger acts are usually guitar players like the right. ones that i just happen to to know so i know like a few guitar players that play with you know at least national touring of some amount country acts and um a lot of you know it's funny the one i asked about i was um he plays for Mo Pitney, who is more of a classic country a singer who obviously you, you met mm-hmm. and very cool guy and everything. And, and I asked him, like, you know, what he thought on, like, hiring, like, management or, like, a publicist. And, you know, because a lot of people will push you to, like, you got to have a manager. you got to have, you know, this, that, and the other thing. And the hard part is, though, it's like, you know, when you're not making enough money, how do you justify paying a manager? And then right. what, what are the – do you have – because you know, it's like you – it's like anything else. You have to like hire somebody, but then you have to have money to like do what they want you to do too. So it's like a well, bad like, in between. Everything I've read or heard about management teams and booking teams and all of that, it's they say, all right, you don't need them until you absolutely need them. Yes. But then everything I try to do, I need them. You need them. So like I don't need a booking agent because I have time to book. But none of the places will talk to me because I'm not a booking agent. Boom. And then, like, management, like, I know all the stuff that I would want my management team to do in the bands that I play with. And so, technically, we don't need a manager because that's their job is to tell you what to do. Yeah. And I know what I want to do, but I can't do it without a manager. Yes. And so, it, it's it's a very, like, they tell you not to get one until you can't do it. But then there's all this gatekeeping that keeps you from doing it. So it's like you don't need one, but you have to have one. But you can't afford one because you don't need one, but you have to have one. It's such a pain, dude. And like you said, whether it's a manager or a, you know, you look at some of these companies and I like for example, like there's um two in Nashville that I like know of and I've talked to and met with and they're like cool companies. Um that you know one's called Burning Ground and one is called uh, Hope Tree Entertainment and they both do similar things. They do everything ranging from album cover design to artist management and like 
coaching, I guess, if you want to mm-hmm. call it that, to Spotify playlist promotion. And, you know, um, some of them have, like, you know, if you're, like, one of their top artists, they might be able to, like, pitch your song to, like, the CMT six-pack countdown or whatever that's called or right. something like that, if it performs well. There's a lot of, like, if. And, and mm-hmm. all those places, I've, I've sat down with both those places and talked to people, and they're both very cool, but it's one of those things where you have to know looking into it once you, I want, that's why I wanted to discover about these places. I didn't understand what they're all about. Like, is it right. like if I make money, they make money or am I paying a fee? You know, and a lot of them, it's like a monthly fee and it's not cheap, you know? Right. And it's something where it's like, it's almost, some of them are almost, I mean, it's just not possible. Like even mm-hmm. for somebody that's halfway successful, they wouldn't be able to do it. I mean, you're looking at some of these companies that I talked to and not just those ones specifically, um, like their like lowest amount that you could pay them like per month would be over a thousand dollars. Right. And it's like, you know, that's not even close to an option for me. Like, it's like, I think, <laughs> you know, for me, it's like, shoot, you know, half that would be tough. Right. Half of half that would be tough. You know, it's like, you just, and then the hard part is too, it's like, they're going to promote you based on how much you're paying them. That's just the way it goes, right? The right. bigger artists that they have on their roster are paying them the most. Well, who gets the most promotion? The guys that are paying them the most. It means duh, right? Um, but it's like those companies and a lot of the advice I've gotten from some of those guys is like, don't, don't worry so much. Like you said about going out and finding those companies, paying them money to try to get you somewhere else. He's like, keep doing your thing. And then when those companies start coming to you, hopefully in the future, then you can start looking at that stuff because then the deal might be a little bit more even or less lopsided. Right. And I think that's somewhat good advice, but I will say, unfortunately, a lot of the, the side guy advice I've got is not always it doesn't always line up to what I'm trying to do because right. like you said they, they have a different set of goals right like their goals I mean, it's are it's a completely different career path yes exactly like, and that's what's frustrating because you know for like for you it's like you said it's hard to find the advice out there mm-hmm. on musicians stuff but then from my perspective the the one person I need to talk to is the one person I can't talk to and that's right. the lead the front man the big guy right? right the guy that's famous that I can't talk to you know right. and that's what's tough because you don't want to push buttons if you do know those people but you also want to like you know you don't want them to feel like you're looking for a handout because i'm sure they get that all the time people are like, it's oh, almost make me like famous. with the with the major artist it's like lightning doesn't strike the same place twice nope so they already took their path and mm-hmm. that path is off the market now yes so you have to come up with something different your own way and like everybody can tell you what he did or what she did or how she made it or he made it or whatever but that doesn't work again nope. because that already happened. It happened once, and like you said, it's unique. And going back to like the career path thing, like because side guys, it's it's a totally different thing, and the information is completely different. Like I'm not a thousand percent sure that I even know that side guys understand their career enough to give advice to other side guys. Right. Because when I've asked people, like the main thing that they tell you is to just grind, like get better practice learn everything you can be as good as you can and then get better and i'm like that's cool but that guy is playing with the national touring act and he's garbage so get better isn't the only answer but it's the only one you're giving me yes so like do i keep doing the broadway thing and meet the other side guys and hope that one day they're like oh hey i know this drummer and Mm -hmm. then I'm playing with John Party. Yes. Or do I try to do the original band thing where I get with an artist and I'm their guy and hope that that artist knows his career path yes. 
to make the band something and then do i trust that guy not to hire a whole new band when he can pick whoever he wants yes. to be his star lineup so yes. like I'm, I'm constantly like what do i do and i think i have personally settled on i'll do everything that i do to make my name so like i'll play with you know whoever on broadway and if an artist wants me as their guy and we click i'll be their guy and i'll do a podcast mm-hmm. and i'll do content videos on tiktok and i'm working on a website so i'm just gonna be the guy like yes. i'm gonna present myself as like hey i am an expert in my field and i do what i do and if we click and you want to hire me i'll be your guy yeah so i think that's my plan right now is to just kind of kind of take the artist approach mm-hmm. and be like well I'm not going to be the singer that puts out the hit record, but I can be the guy that the singer has heard of. And like, he knows that I do this and do this and do this and have been hopefully successful at it. Mm -hmm. And so he would have confidence in thinking that I am an expert in my field. Yes. So I think that's my plan. And I do, I think that's more of an artist approach, Mm -hmm. but practice and get better isn't great advice like i mean obviously practice and get better if you're not practicing and you're not getting better you don't have a career that's true yeah so it's like it's like if you if you're trying to decide to move to nashville well if you want to be successful in nashville we're not going to tell you you have to be good at your instrument like that's a given right like if you're not good at your instrument we shouldn't be talking yes so i'm assuming if you want to move to nashville then at least you think you're pretty good at your instrument. Absolutely. So we're not going to talk about that. I'm not going to say learn how to play guitar. Right. Like th- <laughs> we covered that. That's that's it's done a and prerequisite right there. So so yeah, like I'm I'm approaching my career like that is more of like an artist mm-hmm. mentality. Now I want to flip that. Have you ever thought of using more of a side guy mentality to promote your career? So doing like the duo shows. Or, you know, like having maybe setting up a gig with like a female singer and mm-hmm. just kind of like not being the sole guy and like, right. like like acoustic duo stuff maybe. Or even doing like harmony and backup for another right. guy that's maybe got a couple out of town gigs or something right. like that. Have you ever thought of marketing yourself toward that? Or I, is that kind of too far off your beaten path? I think some of it might be a little bit off. Like I, I would definitely like when it comes to, if I was a, I'm a, I'm a decent high harmony singer for sure. I, I'm pretty good at that. I, I would love to sing like, say it was like on a, you know, decent sized artist gig. I would love to sing harmony for somebody. That'd be right. fun as heck. I mean, that'd be a fun, fun. And plus you'd like, I'm sure you'd learn a lot from huh. like taking a year or two years or whatever like that to be on the road and like learning things that would open up a lot of opportunities. Um, not to mention probably like demo work and mm-hmm. studios and stuff, which I actually might end up getting to start doing. It was just pretty cool. Um, but I, I have contemplated doing a lot of the, the more duo trio, smaller cut down stuff like we talked okay. about, because you can make one, you can make more money. And the hard part is, like I said, it's, it's so fun to play with a full band and you know, every place that wants to book you wants you to bring a full band but they want to pay you nothing you know right. they, and it's like man i'm gonna pay well it's like when we went to 
with the, with the truck and all the people and all the sound system stuff that you had, you know, we're 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 talking over a thousand dollars in gas oh, yeah. up there and back, you know, and the bar wants to pay you four hundred dollars. And it's like, I can't, I literally can't even come close to that number. Mm -hmm. Like if I'm coming up for one show, I have to be in the thousands of dollars. I have to be to make any kind of a profit. And then even if you're, say you're at, you know, four grand or something like that, you're still almost not making enough because by the time that you get all your costs, your hotel rooms, all that stuff, if I can't pay you guys enough to leave Nashville, it isn't worth it. Right. Um, But in regards to the side uh, guy stuff, kind of what you mentioned is, I think that a good way to look at, and this goes for artists or side guys, I suppose, but I try to remind myself that, you know, when, when I was getting my first couple of jobs and my first internships and all these different things, what was the, like the one thing that every person, every, you know, teacher, professor, like all taught us to do is like build your resume, just continue to build a resume. And I feel like for, especially for side, side guys and artists, but especially side guys, I talked to like, you know, like Matt or whoever it is that we're playing with guitar, Steve Nolan. Um, those guys have a resume of who they've played for. And I feel like a lot of times anymore, um, unfortunately for side guys, but at the same time, maybe it's a pro and a com side guys do not make anywhere near the money that they used to right back in the day because you know back in the 90s if you were you know in the band shenandoah or in the band alabama you made a ton of money mm-hmm. but now those bands might be the same now because it's actually like the same band for the most part but like when you're talking about one of these new artists if you're playing for sam hunt you might be his guitar player on one leg of a tour and you might be making like 500 dollars a show which might sound okay but in reality, since you're not on like salary, you're not right. making that much money, you know. And so, like a lot of these guys that play for big names, they don't make that much money. And so then, like at the end of the tour, they may get fired, and they'll go play with somebody else that does the same thing. So it kind of sucks for them because they're not making as much as you'd think. The side guys, just, right. they don't make what they deserve, and that's sad. Um, but I think a lot of times for guitar players or bass, whoever it is, they're like, oh, I played for this guy, this guy, this girl, that girl. And, like, you look at like, oh, dang, and they get calls from other gigs based on who they've played for. And, like, right. I've talked, and, like, that is a crazy powerful tool. Now, as an artist, from my perspective, obviously, I can't do that. Like, I'm not, you know, I'm not a right. guitar. I play guitar, but not, like, lead guitar for a star. I'm not that good. So, um, you know, it's like I don't have a resume of, like, oh, I played for this person, this person, this person. But like on my version, it's like, well, I've opened for this person or this Mm -hmm. person, or maybe it's, I've played this festival. And that's hard because a lot of those festivals won't let you in unless you already have that resume. It's it's the whole thing of like the job experience and getting the job. Like, well, you need 10 years experience. Well, like, but like I need the job to get it. You know, it's the same thing, but just flip flop for us. And I do think that from an artist and side game mentality, trying to build your resume as best you can and that's what you're doing too same thing with content you're talking about you know putting out videos getting a website you have to look you have to have all the pieces there's like a puzzle of all these mm-hmm. website content you know videos how to's uh you know and then also producing content and push it's like you have to have all of it at once somehow it's, right. it's nuts man so as as a guy that is trying to further his artist career and you're looking at specifically like the resume stuff um, when you hire a guy, what are like the top three things you're looking at? So guy contacts you, you, you put out a post saying you need a guitarist mm-hmm. guy contacts you. You've never heard of him. You jump over to his social media to kind of check out what he's about. 
Okay. Aside from like looking for a video of him playing, because mm-hmm. that's an obvious. What are like maybe one of the top two or three things that you look for just right off the bat? I guess especially, and this might be different if it was for um, maybe like an original gig, or like an original music gig versus obviously most of the time down here, I've looked for, you know, like a 90s country guitar player. And, right. and of, of course, we, you've been with me on uh, a few dandies of nights where I've had to get a uh, guitar player for a late cancel uh cancellation or you know, well you know how hard it was to get um uh players there for a while yeah. it, when when everybody moved out of town and stuff um but what i'm looking for typically is like what actual music do they typically play because i i feel like we both had nightmares and there's a lot of nightmare stories of like where they're like oh i'm like i truly like i say i play a lot of 90s country when i when i say that i mean i play a lot like yeah. it's probably seventy percent of my set, at least, yep. of '90s country music. So, and I and say would be that. more, except you get requests. Yes, exactly. And it's like then, yeah. And so it's like you know when I contact them or want to play with them, they're like, oh yeah, like you know, you can kind of tell right off the bat like who their friend. It's funny, but like who their if I know mutual friends, right? Like mm-hmm. if they have you know if they're friends with Colton or like you know Scott, Matt, all these people, I'm like oh yeah, they probably play the same kind of music because they're friends with all these people that play that kind of music, so right. they're probably good at it too. The times where I've got burned a little bit are when I think people have just kind of straight up lied a little bit about mm. their abilities. And I understand the fake it till you make it mentality. There's a point where that is valid. But when it comes to somebody else's name on a bill, you have to be able to back up at least pretty close to what you say you can do. Right. And it feels like some of the guitar players, unfortunately, and, uh, and, that, and that certain bass player, uh, that we had that time it's like this this just straight up like lied you know mm-hmm. about and you know it's not a huge deal it's it's over and done with and hopefully they learned a lesson from that process so i want to touch on that a little bit because the the music ecosystem at least from my point of view trains you to do that mm-hmm. like like and and you mentioned it earlier when you got your first call to put together a band can you put a get put together a band for tomorrow morning yes yep. i can <laughs> Who yep. am I going to call? Yeah, like, exactly. Like, I mean, like from the beginning, you're trained to, all right, say yes, take the gig, and mm-hmm. then figure and then it figure out. it out later. Yep. And, I mean, I know I know several – Josh McAfee, mm-hmm. he wouldn't play with us when I've tried to have him fill in for the longest time because he knew that wasn't his wheelhouse. Yes. And he was so afraid to mess up. Right. And, I mean, for this very reason – so that if you know somebody calls you later and it's like, hey, how's this Mac or Mac guy or how's uh, Josh or how's whoever, like you're gonna tell him, yes. like, well, I hired him for a '90s country gig and dude plays Fall Out Boy all the time, yes. so he was lost. Yes. Now in Josh's case, he's a fantastic player, so it didn't matter at all. Yep. He was able to jump right to it. it was but, fine. and I mean, I guess for a lot of these guys like they may have that same mentality of like well i don't do that but it is music and i do play music and i can look up charts mm-hmm. and so i'll have it what i think is the hang-up is a lot of and i think i see it more in 90s country and like older rock stuff rather than new stuff i feel like most people if you haven't heard a new country song and you have a chart you can get through it because yes. it follows a very similar format mm-hmm. like you you kind of know where it's gonna go and if you don't like if you play 
it in the same format as a new country it's song, it's gonna fit. Like you're mm-hmm. not gonna mess anybody else up. Like on draw, if if there's a new country song, when we hit the bridge, I almost always know it's gonna drop to a halftime feel. Mm-hmm. And if it doesn't on the record, and I do a halftime feel, it still fits it still because works. it's still a similar style song. Mm-hmm. But for older rock it and '90s country, work. <laughs> they didn't learn to play the same. Right. Like they learned a lot of how they play on their own. Yes. So, and I know I've mentioned this to you specifically on drum parts. Like they don't do what is considered right mm-hmm. because there was no right at the time. Like there, you couldn't jump on Google and figure out, okay, well you do this here because of this. Yes. It was, Oh, I play drums. This is how I play drums. Mm-hmm. And I'm on like one of the biggest acts in the world. So I'm right. Right. And so I know I struggled with that a lot because I was very familiar with nineties country. I've mm-hmm. listened to nineties country all my life and I've played nineties country all my life, but I never sat down and dissected it. Yes. And so even though I played the songs, good enough for any listener to ever know it like clearly i knew Mm -hmm. what the song was like there's so many little details that drummers do and guitarists do and even vocalists do in those time periods that you have to be familiar with or it can really mess up how you think the song goes you're right that's a hundred percent right that's a that's a really good way to put it because you're exactly right we're like today it seems like everything kind of melds together because it's so similar and like that's the style now Mm -hmm. like i said they did like weird stuff on purpose like back in the 90s and you know it's even the early 2000s too it's like their songs were like said like they do something like like why did they do that like it's cool maybe or like maybe it's even not cool and like like why did you do that and it's there's there's weird i think there's less songs now and maybe it's just I'm sure they're out there, but like, I think of a song that, like, um, for example, that just is a kind of a. There's there's songs every once in a while. There's goof people up downtown, mm-hmm. right? So watermelon crawl mm-hmm. is one, for example. Tracy Burton, love the song, but I don't think even with the most all star bands that that I've had, guys that are like legit everything, that <sighs> song is one where like they all the guitar player and drummer always say, okay, like how do you want this count? You know, is and right. I don't know what it is if it's a yeah, you know, what the count off on that is, but it's got weird intro, you know, and it's got some weird stuff in there. Mm-hmm. And then there's like the one version that's like a remix with that weird like weird, I don't know if it's a halftime thing and like on the on it's like a it's not the radio version, right. but there's like a remix version and it's just confusing. Like you never know what you're playing. Um and so I I feel for those guys, but you're right, there's some goofy stuff in the nineties, man. I love it, but it makes it tough. It it does. And like I said, I've listened and played nineties country my whole life. And like if you don't dissect it, you miss a lot of mm-hmm. it. Because you are trained to play things the yes. way you learn to play things and the way you know that things are supposed to be mm-hmm. played. And that's not how it goes. So, yes. like, your brain literally tricks you into hearing it the right way, mm-hmm. even though it's not. Even, yeah. Yeah. And that's, like, that. that's probably been my biggest lesson on Broadway is, like, because I would have sat down and gotten into a fist fight with some guys mm-hmm. over how something went. Because yes. I knew that that's how it, I've heard that song 10 million yep. times. I listened to it on the way to the gig. This is how it goes. Yes. And then I'll listen to it on the way home and be like, holy cow, mm-hmm. I have never heard that. Isn't that nuts, though? Like the in, like you said, for guitar and drums, like I think the level of difficulty is, it a, is really high because you think about the intricacies that you're trying to hear mm-hmm. on that record. And like, there's things there where you can you can barely even, you're like, oh, wait, what did they do there? You know? And like, I, yeah, I, that's another, like drums in the mix in 90s country for most 90s country songs is pretty low. Mm-hmm. Like you can hear the snare. And then you can hear the bass guitar, 
but a lot of times that kick drum is lot there's not a lot of low end mm-hmm. in older country it's i mean today's country like there's tons of bass like it's it's hip-hop bass all day yeah. long but like back then like you couldn't necessarily pick out the kick drum pattern and you just kind of have to assume it's the same as the bass guitar pattern yes. and most of the time it is but every now and then there's some little hiccup or some little mm-hmm. something and like if you don't dissect it you're gonna get it wrong yeah and in most situations it's not something big enough to like screw up the whole band but the guy that knows knows right and i have i have come to appreciate that a lot more after playing broadway because mm-hmm. when i do hear a band and there's something like really little and really cool that the drummer does on the record and then the drummer on stage doesn't do it i'm like man you just literally missed one of the coolest, the coolest things parts. that nobody notices yes and again nobody notices so it doesn't hurt the band at all but like to me it's like man you that that little piece is so neat it is it's very neat and like you said it matters to the people that want and it's like i think some of it whether the listeners know or not like a song i always think of it's a tim mcgraw song of um i can't think it's uh, my best friend or which one there's there's like a there's like a symbol ride mm-hmm. in the in the chorus and it's just it's subtle and it's only like three times or something like that you know that does it but just cool i love it like but then i've seen people that play that downtown they don't do that you yeah. know and like and i'm just like thinking like oh like this is where that you know and i'm like oh no they're not doing it and like i said part of me is a little disappointed i'm like oh <laughs> like, yeah. I, like i wanted to hear it because it's just cool you know it's it's like what is it with um uh, should have been a cowboy too there's some cool mm-hmm. little intricate things they're just they're, they make the song feel so cool I, just, right. I love it you know it brings that nostalgia back and almost. I will say that's one of the downsides to the whole Broadway setting is because you do have to learn so many songs mm-hmm. and everybody like they're always cramming more and more songs like you miss a lot of those cool details yeah. because you're trying to get 50 songs learned in 10 minutes at least you know and so more I mean, so like you get all right it's a it's a four on the floor pattern that's what i'm gonna do mm-hmm. and you don't notice all the little stuff and i kind of wonder like i know as a musician that stuff like sneaks out and like you can tell and sometimes it's really cool little things mm-hmm. and it disappoints or whatever but like is that kind of what makes like stage players and studio players different is because stage players in general are needed to be more consistent and in general like but just solid and play consistent and the same and not do anything that could potentially mess anything up right and then studio guys because you can always go back and fix it Mm -hmm. have the opportunity to throw in little things and little call outs and intricacies that are more fun to listen to in that setting so like is it is it an environment thing like should should I worry a whole lot about those little bell taps mm-hmm. on the ride cymbal or should I just play a solid song when I'm on stage? Right. And then in the studio, my brain says, be super solid. Don't get off the click. Just play basic, get through the song and make it as accurate as possible. Am I approaching that backwards? Right. Because you can redo it. Like yes. you can edit it however many times you need to try it. However many like, is that when I need to experiment with weird mm-hmm. things and play with it and throw in those little things that most people don't notice anyway? Yes. So there's, a, there's, man, there's always a different way of looking at everything. <laughs> there sure is. And like to what you do, it's like you play, you, you branch a lot of genres and mm-hmm. what you play and the people that you've played with in the past. And I think that's, that's the hard thing. It's like, 
when you have such a wide, you know, variety of things you can play, that makes it 10 times tougher too. Because like you said, like, I think, you know, there's probably guys downtown that only play 80s hair rock stuff right. somewhere. You know, I don't, that's probably not as common, but like, that's all they do. They don't do country stuff, you know? So right. like, but they're probably really, really good at that hair band stuff. And like you said, I think it is, it's more rare, but there are probably are guys out there that know like to the T rock and country is it but like i feel like that's rare because like how can you like even the best of the best how can you know all that you know it's, right that's just so hard unless you like specifically because i don't know that many it's like we talked about i love classic rock but playing them correctly and not goofing it up with a band i don't play that stuff with a band because too high and i don't like dropping the key too much to make it sound weird you know and so I'm like, man, it's I know my '90s country, like that's the stuff I have down pat. But like, you know, same thing. Like if a if a drummer or a, ba- a guitar player only does '90s country, they probably kill that. But then they they can't do the right. the Bon Jovi, the the other stuff like that. They can't do it. And when you're a for hire sound guy that just gets plugged in for filling gigs, like you yes. gotta have a good handle on everything. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm getting better at figuring things out on the fly. And, like, I mean, I've always considered myself good at being able to wing a song that I've never heard and at least make it okay. Like, I'm going to miss parts, obviously, but as long as there's nothing super crazy weird, like, I can get from beginning to end and it'll sound like the song. Yes. Um, Lately, I feel like I'm getting better at interpreting, like, exactly where to pull back and not maybe play what I think is there just to be safe Mm -hmm. and then where to kind of lean into it and play a little bit more to fill space because I don't know what actually goes there. So that's a, I mean, and all that's an experience thing. You can't read a book on it. There's not lessons on it. And depending on who you're playing with, they're not going to like it. No. Yeah. And I mean, that's, that's the downside. And I'm sure you feel that too. The downside of not having a consistent band all Mm -hmm. the time is, and I mean, you play with a lot of the same guys very consistently. Mm -hmm. So you don't suffer from that as much, but when you do get thrown into a situation where like half your band is different people, like you kind of don't know what to expect. So tough. And even if they are like nineties country guys and you're confident, they know the material it doesn't feel the same. Doesn't mm-hmm. sound the same. They're not going to play it the same. It just doesn't melt. I mean, you you were with me. Like, you were the only consistent piece that I ever had in mm-hmm. my band for years. Like right. I mean, and you you went through me with how many guitar players and All bass players? Have we, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and unfortunately, you know, you know, people don't want to admit it, but it's like, yeah, you can do the the gig finder thing, and that's fine. And maybe I should have done that more early on to try to get those contacts. But like the great great players. They don't play with nobodies. They right. just don't. They have to know you from somebody, or mm-hmm. they have to hear you're good from somebody. Those are not wasting their time, and that's that's something. It's simple advice, but I wish I would have got that advice because I didn't know that. Like I, right. you know, I got phone numbers from people, but they didn't know who I was. They weren't gonna play with me. You know, typically they're yeah. like, oh, like you know, I haven't heard anything about this guy or or whatever. And man, we that was one thing that was frustrating too. I feel like. We had that stupid third floor shift that was a nosebleed shift, mm-hmm. and we could never get me to play on it with us. And so it was frustrating because the product that we get on a live stream is awful. Yep. And but it's in a way because my hands are tied of me trying to play this crappy shift that I have, mm-hmm. and not to be you know unthankful for the gift or the the gift of a shift, I guess, because you know money's money. But you know, it's one of those things where you you play a bar that long, you expect. Oh, I think they'll probably give me a halfway decent shift. I think I've earned it, but that's Nashville. You don't earn nothing. You know, you're nobody's. Right. It's it's just you're you're lucky to be playing there. But uh, yeah, that's 
that is very frustrating. I think, you know, just in these last, um, you know, since the after the shutdown, the people we started playing with after that, I finally, you know, found some great guitar players and some great bass players like Josh. Like, I mean, that Georgia trip we took, meeting Josh was great because, like, obviously, and he's not, you know, he's not, like I said, he's not a, he doesn't love the country as much, right. uh, the country music, but, uh, but he doesn't, and he doesn't, and he's fun to have. So it's like finding those players that fit but can also play your music. But you're right. It'd be great to have the same people all the time, but mm-hmm. it just doesn't work. I mean, uh, we had Mac Watts on the show, and, like, he's he's lucky in the sense that he has his band. And because of that, they do a lot of goofy stage acts. Mm-hmm. They do a lot of fun different things in songs. They can change things. They can rearrange things do mashups like they can do a lot of stuff mm-hmm. that you can't do if you're plugging in members yes. like and i mean again that's one of the big lessons i learned on broadway is like i always used to to kind of roll my eyes at the people they're like well we want it just like the record mm-hmm. well that's not fun like the record is like the record so just listen to the record and I always viewed it from like an artistic point of view that they just wanted to copy it because that's right yes and that's not the case at all they want it like that so everybody knows how everybody's going to play it. Like, right. it has nothing to do with artistic integrity. It has nothing to do with sounding like George Strait. Right. It has to do with knowing that that guy knows what you're going to do so that yep. you do the same thing because you've never met that guy. Yes. And so that's why there's such an emphasis on it. And then if you go down the street a little bit to where, like, the newer artists are playing and, like, the people that haven't been on Broadway for years – like it's a totally different mentality. They don't care if it's like the record. It's fine because they don't know it like the record. Right. And they typically don't like plugging in different band members. They're yes. they're they're trying to do more of a cohesive unit. Mm-hmm. And so like Broadway is like really mixed right now and you've got the set of guys that are used to the Broadway thing and do that. And then you've got the new guys that don't want to do that mm-hmm. and are changing it. Yes. So looking forward, say, five, ten years, do you think that, I mean, I'm sure the Broadway mentality of being able to plug and play musicians is always going to be there because of the culture and how many players there are and how everybody's, you know, trying to play the bigger gigs. Mm -hmm. And so, like, that's always going to be a thing. But do you think we'll start seeing more cohesive bands playing Broadway? Or do you think that's kind of just going to be like a minority it's a good question. I, you know, I kind of, in a way, I think it would be fun to see that happen more. I think that it could be a, a cool thing to kind of switch it up a little bit because when you think about <clears throat> when this next, or this, I guess, kind of the, uh, maybe the Matt, Matt Dyer kind of level, when those guys are like done with Broadway at some point, mm-hmm. the groups after them, like, I don't know how many guys are like, you know, coming in right now trying to play with nineties country acts or, you right. know, or like it's just, you know, they kind of have those guys already. So like, I feel like that generation is kind of done, you know? So like this next one's like, well, you know, maybe they're all playing for the, you know, the modern country acts and that's kind of where they, where they're shooting for. But I do wonder if, you know, I think it's so stinking hard to get the same people back together. Even if, even if they're not on tour all the time, yeah. that it's just, it's almost so impossible to do consistently that I just don't see it happening. You know, I, I, I wish it would, because I think that if you had like, 
the same bands all the time, mm-hmm. it would, could be fun because things like Mac was talking about would be more of a regular occurrence. Like I would, I would love to do stuff like that, but it's tough. It's like, it's tough enough to get people to learn your original songs. It's tough right. to get people to, like I said, to get everybody to play the same thing. <clears throat> it's almost impossible to do that, let alone put together a cool, you know, like choreographed something right. on stage like that, <clears throat> that you have to play a long time to, to do that and maybe even rehearse mm-hmm. you know at some point to get that down and granted it's like Broadway is kind of a, her- a rehearsal at times but I'm sure they've just honed it over time yeah. Um, but yeah I wish it would be like that but I kind of feel like as hard as it is unless for some reason it gets easier to I wish they almost would do more I don't know if it would be good or bad but the house band idea Yeah. <laughs> right and then you basically just because it would be like okay one of the reasons I like that idea sometimes is that if the bar would just pay the band and like everybody individually, it would seem to make more sense to me, but it's probably worse on them. Uh, just like confusing wise, more right numbers to have and more information and stuff. But you have a house band that, you know, pretty much stays the same and then you rotate singers in. But then if you're not one of the lucky people that's in the house band, that kind of screws yeah. you over. Yeah. So like, that's not fair. You know, you go from thousands of players on Broadway mm-hmm. to a hundred. Right. Yeah, exactly. But no, I mean, there's, I don't know if that's a modern thing. I know my dad was a professional drummer basically his entire life. And that's one of the ways that he got to play with so many of the famous artists in his day is that he was in the house band at like one of the big resort hotels in Florida. And so when, you know, anybody, George Jones would come in, like he played with his band. Right. And that led to dad getting to go on several tours with the artist and do fun stuff like that. So, like, that was definitely a thing at some point. Mm-hmm. I don't see that anymore. Um, in fact, like, the idea of a band in general now, when you're talking about the musicians, is almost gone. Like, even even, like, artist gigs and, like, big name stuff, like, you don't know anything about the band unless it's a rare occasion where they've been a band for long enough mm-hmm. to where like you just start to know them. Like yes. uh, Jason Aldean, for example, he uses the same guys yep. almost all the time. So like when I, when I see Rich Redman, I know like th- that's Jason Aldean's drummer. Yes. Like he may not be on in the band as far as like in a legal setting as like making, you know, the same percentage or whatever, but like, I mean, he might. I don't know what his situation is. But, like, he's his drummer. Like yes. This. Uh, Kevin Murphy is John Party's drummer. Mm-hmm. Like, from now until when he's not. Um, and you see that a little bit. But, like, for the most part, like, they're still in the side guy role. Like, they're yes. still just a hired hand. Mm-hmm. They're just consistently hired. Yes. And that like makes me nervous because I very much want the band set. Like when you see the promo pictures, I want it as a band. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, when you saw, you know, blink One Eighty Two, like they're a band, they're the same guys. Like they're all in the promo stuff. They're all in the video. Um, Foo Fighters has a couple of side guys, but for the most part, they're a band. Yeah. Like, and you don't see that, 
like you still see it in rock and in some of those genres, but you don't see that almost it's ever rare. in country music. Yeah, you're right. And I want to play country music, but I want that kind of rock band Feel. idea. Yes. And so like, I don't know, like, do do I build that from scratch? Do right. I find that somewhere? Like, how does that work? Can that work? And I mean, like on Broadway, uh, a couple of the artists that I fill in for pretty regularly when somebody's out of town or whatnot, they they have a band. Like, they have their guys that they mm-hmm. hire all the time. Unless one of them can't make it, they mm-hmm. don't swap out. Like, right. if you go see them, you're probably going to see the same lineup. And, I mean, they do a wide variety of different stuff. One of them is very, like, 90s country in your vein. One of them does a lot more pop stuff, a lot more rock stuff. But, like, that idea is there. But it's still, like, hindered by the Broadway thing where, you know, this drummer's going to take another gig. Yes. And I don't know. It's 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 a weird dynamic, and you almost, like, can't figure it out because the second you think you got a handle on it, everything changes. It does. And whether it's, you know, because there's a shutdown and then half your people leave or if it's the slow season and all these big-name artists aren't touring so all their players are looking for work, like – Whatever the dynamic is, the second you think you've got something consistently figured out, it's gone. It just slaps you in the mouth. And I mean, as as a side guy, like that's the biggest struggle. Is I literally don't know what my next gig is going to be, who it's going to be with, if it's going to be fun, if it's going to be miserable. Like, oh man, Broadway, huh? It's it's so frustrating too because like like you said, I think that's what's what makes me mad too is like you know. As the as the artist, from my perspective, it's like we're lucky because you know we get all the, we get all the. Uh, if you're successful, you get all the credit, right? Like, because right. that's the only person they care about. Like, but they don't think about like, man, these musicians. And some people do. Like, they realize how talented the, the musicians are, and they're like, oh, but like, like I said, they don't know their names. They don't know, mm-hmm. and that's what's crazy. It's like I feel like, maybe initially for sad guys, maybe it's initially easier sometimes to crack into something that's called success. Maybe it's a little bit easier to play the Opry or the something like right. that versus as an artist. But I think after you get to that line, if you're able to get to the same spot, then all the benefits go to the artist because mm-hmm. they have the name, they have the image. People know who they are. They're the one making the money. Right. They're making the merch money. So it's like, there's a ton of pros if you can get to a certain point. And that's, what's not fair for like the side guys. Hey guys, you have made it to the middle of the show, so we're going to take a quick break here so we can grab some water and whatnot. Um, In the meantime, I would like to say a very sincere thank you for listening to this podcast. I've been trying to get this thing up and going for a long time. It's been... It's been a passion project of mine for a couple of years now, and I haven't been able to pull the trigger on it and get it running. And now that it's up and going, having you guys listen to this has been absolutely amazing. So thank you so very much for listening to this, and I really hope you enjoy the rest of this show. We are back. Um, so, Tyler, you've got music coming out on the horizon. I know we've talked about that a little bit. And you've got music out on Spotify. So just take a second and tell people where they can find you, where they can find your music, and what you got going on. Absolutely. Yes. So um, 
pretty much all my platform stuff. You can just uh, find me at Tyler Deaver Music on pretty much everything, whether that's the Facebook all the way to the um, the Spotify there. And uh, yes, so finally, it, as you know, it's such a long process because um, it's expensive to cut your own music, as you well know, and it's it's a pain in the butt. But it's also exciting to finally get a little bit closer um, to music coming out. And so I finally ended up deciding to do a, um, it technically would be, I think most people consider it an EP, but since I'm going to, it's going to be a six song thing that I recorded at Baird Studios in Nashville there. And then I'm combining three songs that I've cut before and basically compiling that into a official actual album that I'll be able to physically have. Are you doing, I know you'll do a digital release obviously, but are you doing a physical release with it? I'm going to, I'm going to do that as well. Yeah. I, I decided to. Um, I wanted to have something physical we could sell like on Broadway or, you know, and, and I've had, you know, even though CDs are obviously kind of a thing of the past other than maybe in the car, it seems like, and most people do digital anyway, it seems like a lot of people, like definitely downtown anyway, they want to support you and buy it. And I think as much um, private shows as I've been playing and doing, I think having an album would be a good thing because I think if I play... Um, a lot of the times they're like, oh, like, do you have any, like, you know, I have the merch already, and they would get some of that sometimes, but they, uh, they'd probably want to buy a CD as well, I think. Um, so I think that it'll be worth my while to, to do a physical um, one as well. And I, I paid for some really cool uh, album artwork on it that I'm really excited about. So nice. It's, uh, I'm, I'm really pumped. It's going to look sweet. Um, so yeah. did you use did you use like a graphic designer in town or did you jump on like Fiverr and something like that? I did. I went the Fiverr route. Nice. Um, and I got a he's an artist um, from Indonesia, believe Sweet. it or not. Sweet. And uh, he does a lot of. I'm trying to think of something I could compare it to. I think you would love him because it's kind of like comic booky cartoon almost, okay. but like very realistic. So it's like very like illustrative looking. Um, and you know I love animals and different things so I kind of gave him a few ideas of what specifically like an animal how I wanted it on the cover the album title um, and then basically I asked him if he could put in a few like things from back home and like the like hills and like I gave him a couple pictures of like the barn from our family farm back there and stuff and he kind of threw all that into uh, a really cool like drawing and it was legit so I'll have to show you before I so what, what was, and I know we're supposed to be doing the promo on you yeah. thing, but uh, what was the experience with using Fiverr? I've never used it, and there's been a couple instances I've thought about it, but I've never yes. pulled the trigger. I've what? been, hes- like, kind of hesitated in the past because there's, like, a couple different companies like that, right? And, like, there's, like, the 99designs and Fiverr, right. and 99designs is a little bit more expensive, I think, and it's, like, a bidding system. Oh. So you tell people, like, hey, I want this album cover, and I describe what I want, and then, like, 10 people based on how much you're willing to pay, the more you're willing to pay, more people will draw it and gotcha. they'll actually draw it first, kind of a sketch, and then you can pick which one you want and then they'll like further do it. That's okay. the 99 designs. Fiverr, it's kind of like that, but it's more so like you look at their pre-existing works and then you kind of do like do a custom, you like back and forth with them of like what you want. He gave me like a, um, a kind of rough price at first and then like I kind of asked for one and then he gave me more like an official what it would be like all done said and done for okay. the for the rights you do have to I bought the copyright to like all the the stuff which costs yeah. a little bit and everything obviously I need that um but I would definitely use it again it's just one of those things you definitely got to like make sure they have some good reviews and somebody that you can like trust you know and, yeah. and have good work and this guy was like 
his work's unbelievable. He uh he does a lot of like um like movie like covers and and stuff okay. like that too. It's I'll have to send you his link. He does some amazing work. Yeah, so I'd love to see. I'm it. excited to, when I can actually release it and tag him in it and stuff because it's it's cool. I'm pumped. All right. So to get back to promoting you, all right. So yeah. you, you've, you you're gonna have a physical release. Uh, do you have a do you have a date picked out a a, a time? So we're gonna um, the first single I'm going to cut, um, and I'll probably end up playing here for a little bit for you is called uh, Burns Like You, and I'm gonna cut that song this March. I believe I'm gonna cut it either 13th or 14th. I can't remember which day lands on Friday. Okay. Um, so I'm gonna cut it mid March, um, and I'm pretty pumped about it. That's the first song. I'm gonna cut one single off of it. Just because I've had, you know, a few other songs, uh, like If the Devil Looks Like You is already cut, that'll be on the CD, but I've cut them already. Right. So I'm going to cut that one more, and then I'll release the CD probably about a month to two months maybe after that. I'm not sure on the... I know it's going to be somewhere in that probably June-ish kind of region when I actually release the digital CD everywhere and have the um, physical copies and everything, so... Hopefully I can get the physical copies, you know, within a couple months of when everything gets solidified. I'm still getting on the songs um, or getting finalized. Everything's mixed and mastered for the most part, but uh, my friend uh, Kenzie Rose actually put some uh, harmony vocals, background vocals on oh, nice. on some stuff, and she's she's a singing son of a gun, man. <laughs> Uh, talk about people in the voice. She she is right. She is so darn good, and uh, she was nice enough to do that for me. So I'm pumped to have her on there, um, and you know, featuring her on a couple songs that'll be on the album as well. So I'm I'm really excited about it. It's gonna be cool. So yeah, look forward to new music. I'm excited. I'm very excited. Um, I'm excited to hear your new single. Yeah, I got I got to play that, and then I I have to play you too uh, before I take off. I have to play you the recording of. Uh, um, your favorite song off, yes. off that album too, yeah, and see what yes. you think of it. I'm yeah. excited. I'm nervous. Well, lightning. I'm nervous. I feel. Yeah. I feel like I know it's your song, and I know I didn't write anything on it, but I kind of feel like it's my baby because <laughs> right. like, I've been it. I've been the champion for you, that you song have. for so long. You have. So I'm super excited and a little bit nervous to see my baby grow up. <laughs> You've ripped the hell out of that song for a long time. Oh, it's so good, and and it's a little bit out of your norm. It's got yes. a more contemporary, like popish feel. Mm-hmm. But it, I, don't, I don't know. It just hits me good. It's a cool. It's a cool tune. I, th- I think good. they, the guys that when we recorded it too, they seem to like. You know, you know how it is in a studio. Like they don't have to go out of their way to to give you compliments if they don't want to. Right. And they uh, they definitely seem to like the songs and say like, man, like these are some solid songs. Like good job. You know, it's like when you got legit studio musicians saying that, you're like, all right, like that's a good compliment. I'll take that and put it right. in the back pocket. And I hope that people agree. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I I've always liked your writing. I know like we have a lot of different tastes as far as music and stuff, but I've always liked your right. Even the stuff that I don't relate to, like mm-hmm. your farm town stuff. Yes. I still really enjoy those songs and they paint a very vivid picture. Mm-hmm. So I still get some of those feelings and emotions, even though like that's not my story. Yes. And I feel like as a songwriter, like that's the best you can hope for it is. is does it paint the picture that you're trying mm-hmm. to paint? Yes. Um, so, yes, new music. You guys will all have to check that out. I will definitely check that. I want a physical copy. No, you're definitely you getting, get those. You're definitely getting one. I, I like to. I like to have physical trophies of my friends and you're, their success. You're so. gonna love the cover, so I got to get you one of them. It's cool. I, I'm super excited. Um, I know. Also, you've been doing your. Um, what are you calling it? Your backyard. Yes. Tour. I'm. I kind of haven't really even given it an official name, but yeah, just kind of like the. 
I, for a while there, I was calling it the backyard beaver tour, but that just doesn't that just doesn't ring, you know. <laughs> but I like it. <laughs> but, but like, yeah, we, I've just been doing that and just like, you know, playing playing. Shoot, I've played uh, people's living rooms. I've played in, the other day. We did the one in Kentucky um, for a little private family like kind of get together, and they owned like a like a like a mini castle. It was crazy looking place, really cool, oh, nice. um, fancy, you know, uh, and everything. But yeah, we'll play backyard parties, and it's just fun because I feel like it's a whether it's a little birthday celebration I've done some for, or like a, you know, just a gathering, just to hang out with the families in town kind of thing. And I just bring my, my sound, my solo sound system with me that I have and bring all the stuff, my mic stand and come in. I just hang out for a couple hours and, and crank whatever music they want to, they want to hear and just play acoustic and tell stories if they want me to. And sometimes your background music and sometimes that's what they want. And sometimes you're, you're the show and that's, that's fun for me too. So it's, it's a good time. It's going decently well. So, and so a, a pretty wide variety of situations and mm-hmm. clients and that's pretty cool. If, uh, if somebody needs to contact you or would like one of your backyard parties mm-hmm. or, want you to play for them uh what's the best way to get a hold of you yes absolutely you can either all my links run through my website or through linktree so if you're familiar with either one my website is just tylerdevermusic.com and that has links to everything it has a, a contact page of how you can book me for a show or i can send you a you know free quote or whatever um if you're more familiar with linktree and you're on like instagram or facebook if you go into my bio on either of those platforms just tyler Deaver music both platforms in my bio, I have a link to my link tree, and there's literally a button that says book Tyler for a private show, and they can click on that bad boy, and it takes you to a uh, Google document, or Google form rather, that literally has all of my available dates, and you can click on it, and there's nothing you know permanent once you click on it, but you can click on that, and then if that date works out for you, we can figure out details in pretty much anywhere in the country. If I can make it work, I'll, I'll go drive around and come play. Nice. Now... Are all of these solo acoustic things, or are you willing to do full band shows in your kind of private party setting? Like, what's the? Are there any restrictions? Or I think most of them. I'm trying to stick to the solo acoustic stuff. If it's somewhat close to Nashville, I'm more open to doing the band stuff, just because okay. it's not as far to go. Um, you know, if it's within a couple hours, it's more realistic. I have done some more uh, duo stuff with fiddle players and, and different things as well. Um, but for this one as much, it just works out better. I think for me, for the, uh, for doing solo stuff. Cause then it's like, I don't have to worry about taking anybody else with, I could take everything in the car. I don't have to rent nothing. It just, and, and that's, that's the perfect thing. But if they are looking for a band show, feel free to contact me and see, you know, we can see if we can work something out or not, you know? Awesome. That sounds good. We're going to take a quick break and set up and then I'm going to let you play a couple of your tunes and then, um, We'll just kind of uh, go from there. I like it. That sounds good, man. All righty. All right, Tyler, I think we've got you all plugged in and set up. So if you want to let us know a little bit about this song, and then we'll go from there. This is the first single I got to cut when I moved to Nashville. This song is called If the Devil Looks Like You. Mama taught me the devil comes in many forms 
Not always the pitchfork, not always the horns. No good from bad, or the devil will always win. He'll knock you down and tempt you with his hand. And here you come walking, those high heels bumping, that look could cut through fire. Temptation's got me right where it wants me. I don't think the devil can lose if the devil looks like you. Thought I was a good boy, now not so sure. Some of these thoughts of mine ain't so pure. I try not to think of your red lips. I think I'm good, then I feel your fingertips. And here you come walking, those high heels bumping, that look could cut through. Fire, temptation's got me right where it wants me. I don't think the devil can lose if the devil looks like you. Now here you come walking, those high heels bumping. Look, come, come through fire Temptation's got me right where it wants me I don't think the devil can lose The devil looks like you If the devil looks like you yeah. If I'm terrible That is absolutely one of my favorite one of your songs. Um, this next song, however, I haven't heard yet because you haven't released it yet. So let's go ahead and dive in and uh, check this one out. All right, this next song is Burns Like You, and this is going to be my next single off my new album coming out here in March. I'm up on the tractor, I see you over there. Doing my best not to blankly stare. I want your attention, I'll do what I can. Just so you know, I'm a damn good man. No, no. Take my hand and let's dance the night away. We'll light some candles so our eyes know what to say. 
Something's burning, see the smoke now, ain't much we can do. Water ain't no use when the fire burns like you. No. I had my eye on you. Since we were seventeen I asked for your hand And your apology said we'll see I gotta show him I can love you and this piece of ground But until then I meet you at sundown Please take my hand And let's dance the night away some candles so our eyes know what to say Something's burning, see the smoke now ain't much we can do Water ain't no use when the fire burns like you know And dance the night away We'll light some candles So our eyes know what to say Supper's burning See the smoke now Ain't much we can do Water ain't no use When the fire burns like you know Hey guys, I would like to say a quick, super big thank you to Tyler Deaver for doing the show and for playing his brand new song that's not released yet on our show. That's super awesome. I I can't thank him enough for doing that. If you want to check him out, um, he is all over the internet. It's Tyler Deaver Music. His website is tylerdeavermusic.com. You can check out tour dates. You can check out music, videos. He's got merch up there. I mean, he's got all the things. So check him out everywhere that you do your socials. Also, check us out anywhere on social. Um, you can find me, Story of Bob. Uh, I do have a page up now for the podcast. So if you just search on Facebook for Nashville for Nobodies, the page should pop up for you. So jump on there, give that a like. Also, if you don't mind rating the podcast, that would be fantastic. It makes it easier to find so that if somebody's looking for it, it pops up for them. So that'd be amazing. I'd really appreciate that. Um, Hopefully I'll have some more cool news for you next week. I'm still working on some details, but we'll see how that works out. I'm excited. But um, yeah, so until next time, it's never too late to tip your bartender and absolutely do not forget to tip your band.